Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a very familiar text. This is one we've looked at already in our study of prayer. We looked at it as we went through the letter to the Philippians. This morning we want to focus on it again. Last week in our study of prayer, we talked about the tools of prayer. We began to look at the acronym of ACTS, ACTS. We looked at the first three Adoration, confession, and thanksgiving. Today, we look at the final one, supplication. Now last week, if you remember, I defined a tool as a means to accomplish something. The purpose of prayer, what we're looking to accomplish in prayer, what God designed prayer to accomplish in us is to be in communion with Him to bring ourselves into alignment with him. Our text this morning deals with a specific obstacle to our communion with God. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. We could have and we have had an entire message on anxiety. But for our purposes this morning, Anxiety is a lack of trust in God. Our anxiety, my anxiety, my worries about situation is not because of my circumstances. It's not because someone failed us. It's not because God failed us. That's not why we're anxious. It's because we don't trust God. In that moment, in that instant, in that circumstance, we are anxious, we are worried because we are not trusting God. Our text presents supplication as a tool to overcome anxiety. As we look at supplication this morning, we're going to look at what it is, what supplication is. For ourselves, we're also going to look at intercession, that's supplication for others. And finally, agreement, the power of praying together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for this opportunity. We thank you for the privilege to worship together, to study together, to learn together, to grow together, Father. We pray for your spirit to guide us as we seek to understand more and more about prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is supplication? We've got to define it first. It's not a word that we use in daily conversation. My kids don't supplicate me for things. They, don't, they, they ask me for things. We don't use that word in daily conversation. The definition is the action of asking or begging for something. Earnestly. Or humbly, 
Now, I have to say, I first looked that up in my Webster's 1828 dictionary, and I thought, that seems kind of like an old definition. So then I asked Siri. She gave me the exact same definition. It's an intense, sincere, selfless asking. That's what supplication is. An intense, sincere, selfless asking. What does it look like practically? First of all, it's not a shirking of our responsibilities. You say, Kevin, what do you mean by that? It's not a, well, I, I supplicated. I prayed for an A on my test, but I didn't get one. No, I didn't study, but I prayed for the A and I didn't get it. I asked God and he didn't give me a job. I didn't apply for any jobs, but I asked God and he didn't give me one. I asked for God to help me stop drinking, and he didn't. Now, I didn't set any boundaries or try to change my group of friends, but I asked God to help me stop drinking, and he didn't. Our ability to go and ask God for things does not remove our responsibility in our lives. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Paul writes, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Asking God for things does not take away our responsibility. Paul's illustrating that in our responsibility to our family, in their needs, and how we need to provide for them. We have a responsibility. Yes, we go to God and ask. And we trust because that's what supplication is. What we're going to get to is supplication is building trust. But then we do what we can do within our realm of responsibility, our realm of influence. It is not a shirking of our responsibilities. But we are called to ask. We are called to appeal. We are called to supplicate to God. James chapter 4 verse 2. James says, you do, not, you do not have because you do not ask. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, will give good gifts to those who ask him? What a beautiful promise that is, and it's speaking of salvation. The gift of eternal life. What a beautiful promise that is. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now this is obviously not an across-the-board guarantee that God will give us whatever we ask for. If that were the case, 
we could receive, we could ask for and receive a lot of self-centered, a lot of selfish things. Psalms 84, 11. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. But those promises and others like them must be considered in the whole of Scripture, in the whole of, Bible, of the Bible. James chapter 4, going back there to verse 3 now. After scolding his readers in verse 3 for not asking, James says, he cautioned them. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. We spent an entire Sunday in this series learning about praying for God's will. Prayers that are not according to God's will will not be answered. That's a reality. John chapter 15, verse 7. I believe this verse sums it up beautifully. Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It is a matter of aligning our wills with his. Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. God wants us to bring our requests to him. He wants us to ask. But just like Mary and Martha asking Jesus to save Lazarus, like Paul asking God to remove his thorn. And like Jesus in the garden, we've studied all of these circumstances, these situations over the past few weeks. Luke 22, verse 42. Jesus, in his prayer, he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Our prayers are always subject to God's will. Prayers and supplications that acknowledge God's sovereignty, acknowledge that His will is greater, pure, wiser, more generous, more gracious, and more merciful than anything we could ever imagine. Prayers like this draw us nearer to Him. Make us more and more like him. That's our purpose of prayer. What kind of world would we live in if our prayers, everyone was answered? I am, for one, very blessed to know that God is sovereign. That God's will is what will be worked out. In our prayers, our supplications, our coming to God as a matter of building us, building trust in us. It's not a matter of us getting what we want. Bringing our supplications to God is the process of entrusting ourselves 
into the hands of our loving Heavenly Father. Bringing our supplications to God in prayer is an exercise of trust. Dr. A.C. Dixon of Spurgeon's Tabernacle. I have no idea who he is. It's a quote I read in a commentary, but it was a powerful quote. He wrote these words. When we rely upon organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely upon education, we get what education can do. When we rely upon eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely upon prayer, we get what God can do. When we rely upon prayer, we get what God can do. We ask God for what we want. We ask God for what we think we need. And then we trust that he will give us what we truly need. We not only have the... Backing up just a little bit of thought that just came to my mind. You know, in this whole praying and bringing supplications, we have so many examples in our congregation of those who are struggling with cancer, injury, relationship struggles. You know, God wants us to come and pray. He, wants us, he invites us to pray for healing. He invites us to pray for restoration. And then he wants him to trust us. How many stories do we have, as we talked before, about the purpose of suffering? How many stories do we have where people have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through their own or someone else's suffering? What if God had lifted that suffering before that happened? No, we don't go looking for suffering. And we are invited to ask God to lift suffering. But as we supplicate, as we ask for God to work in those, then he is calling us to set back and trust. Keep asking, but trust. Keep asking, but trust. And look to see what he's doing in the midst of whatever the circumstance is. We not only have the opportunity to use the tool of supplication for ourselves, we are called to use it for others. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Back to James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Just this morning, my wife knew that I was struggling with something. You know, how many of you know, I think I've mentioned it before, but I usually get up pretty early on Sunday mornings to go finish my sermon, to polish my sermon, to work through my sermon. 5 a.m., she came to my office and interceded for me 
and prayed for me. It was a beautiful time. It's a beautiful gift that we have to give each other. To lift up supplications, to intercede for each other. Laying our anxieties down. Yes, I have my own. That's why she was there this morning. Laying our anxieties down is too often a process. At least it is for me. Preparing for this message and talking about supplication and trusting and having some struggles. I'm thinking, God, should I even be up here preaching this? And God says, absolutely, yes. I need to grow myself. Each of us need to grow in this trust and bringing our requests over and over and building trust. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. But we aren't just called to pray for the saints. There's more to the Bible than just that one verse. We're not just called to pray only for the saints. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It says, For kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peace-filled and quiet life. When we, does that mean when we pray for our leaders that things are going to go well, that we're going to live in this utopia, this beautiful, peaceful place? No, it means that we will have peace despite our circumstances. It's no secret in the world today, in our nation today. I have great concerns about our leaders and the way they're leading. But God calls us to pray for them and then to trust that He has it. Sometimes we're just tempted to pray for the people that we agree with. God, if you would just get the right person back in office, this would all be better. We know that's not true. We are called to be praying for the salvation of all. What if those currently in power got new hearts? What if those who have the authority came to the saving knowledge truly of Jesus Christ? Are we praying for that? Are we simply praying for them to be removed? Are we praying for their souls? And as we discuss intercessory prayer, we would be remiss if we didn't go to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, again, the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, it's where Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What more glorious way is there to defeat an enemy than to see them become a believer? Do we pray those prayers? Finally, as we bring our supplications, whether for ourselves or for others, 
we have another tool in the toolbox, the tool of agreeing in prayer. This could also be called and is called corporate prayer. What I'm about to teach you might shake you just a little. Might be a little contrary to something that you had, had studied or, or believed. Not, not a big deal, but hear me out. When I first looked at this tool, my mind went directly to a verse. I went straight to Matthew 18, starting in verse 19. Jesus says, but then I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. These verses, in fact, are often taken out of context. And in doing so, it makes them a little problematic in the reality of praying in God's will. If I can get, if you take this completely out of context, then you can, you can look at this as saying, if I can get one other person to agree with me, then we should be able to get something to occur. If I get one or two other people to agree with me and pray the same way I'm praying, then we should be able to get something to occur. These verses are speaking in the context of church discipline. The two or three mentioned here are most likely witnesses to the offense. The power in this text, in context, is the power of using truth to confront sin. Undeniable truth to confront sin, to bring sinners to repentance. That's a powerful truth. It's an amazing truth. But what this text does not promise is that the more people we have praying, the more likely God is to hear. Corporate prayer is not important because of its power to change circumstances. Scripture does not teach that the, pra the prayers of many are more powerful than the prayers of one. What, did you, what does James say? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power as a working person, singular. What I'm teaching you is that you do not have to be in despair when you feel alone in your prayers, when no one else seems to catch the vision, the need that you see. Your prayers are as powerful as the prayers of a million saints. It's just an arbitrary number I picked. I hope that truth brings you peace and assures you of the power that you have to bring your requests before God. Prayer is cooperating with God to bring about His plan, not trying to bend Him to our wills. If Paul had put his thorn on the church prayer list, it would not have changed his circumstances. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Corporate prayer is important. 
Prayer meetings are important. They are beautiful, powerful tools. It's a beautiful opportunity for us to learn and to grow together. But the purpose of corporate prayer is the same as individual prayer. To bring us into communion with God. To bring the church into alignment with God. There are few things more beautiful on this earth than to be with a group of genuine believers worshiping and praying together. It is truly a blessing to hear others pray out loud for us when we're struggling. In these ways, corporate prayer is powerful, an amazing tool to help us grow together. But it's truly not any more powerful to change God's mind. I am in no way saying that we should not be agreeing in prayer. For abortion to be eliminated. For marriage, as God intended it, between one man and one woman to be eliminated. For child sex trafficking to be eliminated. By the way, if you've not taken the opportunity to go watch the movie The Sound of Freedom, it's at Washington through Tuesday night, and I encourage you to do so. And then I encourage you to be on your knees about the wretchedness that's going on in this world. We are called to pray that gender perversion would be revealed for what it is. We should keep these and many other realities on our corporate public prayer list. We should keep the needs of individuals in our congregation on our prayer list. We should be putting out phone trees and lifting up supplications for brothers and sisters in Christ that they would be healed, that they would be restored, that victories would be won. We should continue to have special days and special events for prayer. But we should be aware not to be deceived into thinking that we don't have enough people praying. That's not why it's not changing. That we don't have enough faith. That's why it's not changing. We should use these occasions and these mechanisms for what God intended them to be used for, to grow us individually, to grow us corporately, to glorify Him, to build our trust individually, to build our trust as a body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Whether our prayers are individual, with intimate friends, or in the church setting, to bring our supplications to God is to put our trust in Him, to lay down our anxieties, to invite the peace of God which surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That is the purpose of prayer. That is the power that the tool of supplication gives us. 
I pray that you understand that power. I pray that you pray in that purpose, in that motivation. I pray that you are giving your supplications to others. You are agreeing in prayer together to build trust, to build faith in the creator of the universe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you, Lord, that you give us opportunity, that you give us means to bring our supplications to you, Lord. That by trusting you, we can let go of our anxiety. We can let go of our worries. Lord, we praise you for hearing our prayers. We praise you for answering our prayers. We praise you for providing for us in prayer, Father. God, may we walk in the reality of that. Lord, may our trust grow daily in you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.